0: You're listening to the weekly podcast with Pastor Steve McCoy from 360 Church in Sarasota, Florida. We hope this message inspires you to press beyond ordinary. So we begin with this new journey uh, next week in the in the calendar. Of church historically, this uh, next week is Palm Sunday, April 10th, and then the following Sunday is Easter. And I don't know about you, it just seems like it just kind of snuck up on us this year with so many things going on in the in the world. And so we began this, this collection called From Here to There and Back Again. If you know C.S. Lewis's work, uh, his second book, the second Hobbit book was originally uh, called uh, 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 From There and Back Again or To There and Back Again or something like that. So I figured, hey, if it's good enough for C.S., then it's good enough for Steve. And so I ripped it off. Now <laughs> They changed the title when they made the movie. Don't We don't care about the details of why that was, but... Um, it's an interesting, uh, I'm kind of excited for this, this journey because it's a bit of an optical illusion because you're there might be my here and you're here might be my there. And so we're going to look at this as we journey into the life of Jesus, kind of taking the steps of him in the garden. That's where we begin today in the garden of Gethsemane. Uh, Next week, we will look at the crucifixion from a a bit of a different angle. Then, of course, we'll walk through the resurrection. And then we will look at what happened after the resurrection with some of his disciples, that some ran away and some ran too. We'll look at the ascension of Christ. That means when Christ entered back in heaven with his Father. We'll look at the Holy Spirit as God dispersed the Holy Spirit uh, into the world in Acts chapter 2. So, Looking forward to this chapter. So we begin today in the garden. And when when Christ was in the garden, he prayed a prayer of being, not doing. It's interesting when we think about the garden and the prayer of the garden that we, we know that he was saying to the Father, if it would be your will, would you take this cup away from me? In other words, what I'm about to face, torture, and crucifixion would you take that away from me and if it be your will but father i want your will to be done that's the famous words that he said but he prayed for other things and those other things we have the luxury of knowing in john chapter 17 written recorded i should say by his best friend and that that matters in our conversation today the gospel writers had different kinds of relationships with Jesus. But we know from John, it was his closest relationship. John categorized himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. That doesn't mean that Jesus didn't love the other guys. It just means that there was a a uniqueness there. I find it interesting at the Last Supper, when Jesus revealed that he was going to be betrayed, the other disciples kind of freaked out a little bit and they said is it me is it me John did not ask that question because he knew it wasn't him and in fact in the gospel of John in John chapter 13 when you see the last supper it's so revealing sometimes the nuances and the whispers in the word of god they're so revealing something much larger than the, the actual whisper Peter who was of course in the in the three Peter James and John in the three closest to Jesus At the Last Supper, when Jesus said, I'm going to be betrayed, it was Peter who leaned over to John and said, John asked Jesus who it was. Now, here's what that means. It means that even Peter, who was very close to Christ, knew that that John had a little bit of a different chair. Interesting. Fascinating. It was only John who came back to the cross, as we're going to see uh, next week, everybody else scattered and only John came back and something very tender and, and amazing happened in that moment. So we hear from John today about the prayer. Now, the prayer we know is in the garden and it was a prayer of the of transition. It was a prayer for those who had walked with Jesus. And it was also a prayer for us. Now, when I'm training around the world, I'm, I, in this moment, I say, no, I just want you to imagine that you just happened to be in the garden of Gethsemane that day. And you heard Jesus, and he used your name. And he said, I'm praying for Michael today. And the thing that I'm going to pray for. Now, you remember those old E.F. Hutton commercials? Uh, if you don't know them, there was, a, I don't know what they were, a brokerage firm or something like that. And when E.F. Hutton spoke, and then the whole restaurant or you know would just come to this pause. And if he used your name, you just insert your name. Today, I'm praying for Steve, for Michael, for who? And here's the thing I'm going to pray. Man, wouldn't you lean in? Because that is a nuance that will reveal what Christ really wants in your life. He could have prayed, man, I pray that there'll be amazing evangelists, effective evangelists. I pray that there'll be Bible scholars. I pray that there'll be prayer warriors. Nothing wrong with any of those things. But Jesus prayed for us to be. He prayed for us to be, and in that prayer, we are reminded of the purpose that is written on the first page of the Bible while we were created. It is an incredible connection. Now, we know that the life of Jesus is connected back to the Old Testament many times. In Genesis chapter 22, when we see Abraham and Isaac, and God says, God himself will provide a lamb. We see Jesus' words on the cross in Psalm 22, and, and we see Jesus throughout so many places in the scripture in the Old Testament. So it's no surprise that Jesus would be connected in all parts of his life. And in this case, the connection today is from one garden to the next garden. The Garden of Gethsemane connected brilliantly to the Garden of Eden. Watch this. I'm going to frame today Isaiah chapter 46, verse 10. I use this verse, I would say, somewhat frequently because I think it's important for us to realize this truth. I make known God is speaking. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. Let me pause. What that means is that In early times, God is saying, I'm going to reveal my purpose out here in the future. I'm going to reveal it at the beginning. So we get, in the beginning of times, we get, oh, this this is what the plan is. In other words, God is not playing backyard football. Do you know what I mean by backyard football? People say, hey, did you play football when you grew up? Yep, in the backyard, play backyard football. Here's the plan for backyard football. Okay, everybody, you ready? Go long, right? That's what—that's backyard football. There's not a lot of plan in the, you know, the locker room before. There's not X's and O's. It's always go long, right? Just go long. And so uh, there's not a lot of planning with that. But Jesus has a different plan. He's just not like ragtagging it along the way. He's got a plan from the beginning, and he's gracious enough to reveal... As much as we can handle things that are from the beginning. That's why he says, I'm going to read it again. I make known the end. Let's say this is the end. I make known the end from the beginning. So Adam is in the garden. What God is saying is, I'm going to reveal to Adam what's over here at the end. I'm going to reveal to Isaiah. I'm going to reveal to the prophets. I'm going to reveal to David, who wrote the Psalms. Uh, the, my Lord said to my Lord, right? Uh, and so I'm going to reveal those things way before they happen from ancient times what is still to come. He, and then he says, my purpose, regardless of human failure or interruption from the darker side, my purpose, not might stand, hope it stands, probably stands, you know, maybe stands. No, my purpose from the early garden will stand. When we look at the world today and we look at what is happening and you read the headlines and this, it's terrifying if you don't know God. It makes no sense. It's bewildering if you don't know God. And it's terrifying because you're going to say, I don't, know what's gonna, I don't know what's happening to this world. But if you know the Bible, you know exactly what's happening to this world because God has revealed in advance what's happening. It gives us an anchor like nobody else can give to us. Isn't it funny that we used to call the newscasters anchors? I'll leave it at that. My purpose will stand and I will do some of what I please. No, I will do all that I please. That's our frame. Now, when God created the heavens and earth on the front page of the Bible, the first page of the Bible, they too had an assignment. You're like, what? A tree had an assignment? Yeah, the tree said, God said to the tree, make other trees. Every living thing that God created, he gave the capacity to make more of itself. Let me say that again, because I know some of you are just catching up to your caffeine. <laughs> Every living thing that God has made, he has given the capacity to make more of itself. So I always ask this question, you are know, like how many angels on the pen of a head and all this silliness. But does God still make orange trees? Well, he could if he wanted to, but he doesn't have to because he gave the orange tree the capacity to make more orange trees. And so he gave us as human beings go and multiply the capacity. He's not creating. Oh, I've got to make another Adam. Gee, my fingers are getting dirty. I've got to reach down the, the dirt again. No, he gave Adam and Eve the capacity to make other ones so that he wouldn't have to keep digging down in the clay and making them. Are you following? It's important. So when we find ourselves in the early part of the Bible, we see that they have an assignment. Here's another assignment, the the creation. In Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. That was an assignment for them. That's why I wanted to make it so vast. What if God had made just the world trees with no leaves? Everything was gray. Nothing against gray, for those of you that's a favorite color. Nothing So. God was so creative and so vast, and the sum of his creation is not as big as God. Think about that. You add everything up. You add all the oceans together. You add not just our little teeny galaxy with gajillion stars. You would take all the galaxies together, and God is bigger than that. The heavens declare the vastness of God, the brilliance of God, the glory of God, the detail of God, the creativity of God. That was the assignment. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. In Romans chapter 1, for since the creation of the world on Genesis in Genesis 1 on the front page of the Bible, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, watch this, What are his invisible qualities? His eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. We as human beings need visibility. So what has been made gives us an idea of the invisible nature of God, his eternal power. So when you see a lightning storm, is like, wow, that seems powerful. Well, it's not as powerful as the one who made the lightning storm, right? When we see you stand on the horizon, you see that straight line of the ocean out there. And you think, it just seems eternal because it was made by an eternal God. So when you see creation, it, is, it, is, it has an assignment, to show us multiplications, to show us the capacity, to show us all these things. But in all of its glory, in all of its vastness, creation could not do one thing. And that one thing has been assigned to guess who? Me. I'm just kidding. (laughs) To us as human beings. To us as human beings. Now watch this. And we're going to find it. Remember, we're going to find the end from the beginning. So in the beginning, we're going to find, well, what's the purpose of this whole thing? If God's purpose is going to stand. So watch. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Now we get to the creation of man and the purpose of why God made. God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. We have not just been created in the image of God. We have been created in the our image of God. What do I mean by that? We have been created in the relational image of God. So you think, who is the our, if you're not familiar with this passage, who is the our? Are they angels? Are they beings in heaven? No. God is one person. God is one being, three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and i know that's heavy and if you you know the the we call it the trinity father son holy spirit it is profoundly mysterious it's hard impossible for us as human beings to completely wrap our minds around but what we do know, know we know a few things but what we do know and our focus today is that relationship is not just friendly that relationship is not just Unite it in unity. That relationship is not just, well, relational. So when pre- people say, hey, we're a friendly church, I'm like, great start. Because that is not what we're supposed to be, just friendly. And you'll see why. We're not just to be relational. One of our values, we have four values at 361 of them, is that we want a culture of relational intentionality. But it's just not relational. So if someone says, we are created in the relational image of God, I say, there's one more step. If you really want to send a full message, we are created, here it is, in the intimate relational image of God. The intimate relational image of God. In other words, this, this, um, this image of God is so close And so intimate with Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You remember Jesus said, I and the Father are what? We're one. We're one. We have this oneness here. So God created us to display who he is by living out the image in which we were created. In other words, we are image bearers. What does that mean? We look like God? Do I look like God? I hope not. Let's just say it that way. But relationally, God has given to us the capacity in that moment, in the garden. I'm creating you as image bearers who will multiply, by the way, not just people to live a life and get a job and work the garden and do all that stuff. I'm creating you. That's why at the end of creation, he said it is not good for man to be alone because man couldn't live out the image bearing responsibility if he was alone who in the heck is going to have a relationship with a kangaroo let's not go there either okay we see this kind of surfacing from time to time ephesians chapter 5 be imitators i want to i underline the word imitators but i also want to focus on the word the first word be imitators become imitators of God. Why? Because that's why God created you. We cannot show the vastness of God as human beings. We don't have that capacity. People look at me like, wow, God is really vast. Nope. God is, nobody's looking at me like, hey man, I'll tell you what, God is... But people should be able to look at us that we have become so closely relational. It is so different than being friendly. God doesn't need any more friendly churches. Now, I'm not saying he needs more unfriendly churches. <laughs> but the world will not look on and see, man, that church is so friendly. That's going to be life-changing. No, because that's not picturing who God is. The Father and Son and Holy Spirit are not just friendly with each other. Come on. Because there's a purpose in growing deeper. So let us be imitators, be imitators of God. Therefore, as dearly ch- loved children, live a life of love Just as Christ has intimately loved us. Not just with a friendly love. Um, Martin Luther said these words. The more a person loves, the closer he approaches the image of God. Okay? All right. For our purpose this morning, let's say this is the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden had keyboards and... No, I'm just kidding. This is the Garden of Eden. This was the purpose of God. We call that this morning. That's the here. Okay. But Adam and Eve went there. They stepped away from that intimacy of God. They stepped away from the intimacy with one another. And the very first thing that happened in Genesis chapter 3, after they stepped away from this beautiful here, So God creates man. He creates woman. They have this intimacy going on that's intimate with God. It's intimate with one another. It's intimate with God. It's intimate with one another. It's intimate with God. It's intimate with one another. I'm saying that because it's going to be revealing in the garden to come. They're intimate with God. They're intimate with one another. Now they step away from that intimacy And they disobey God and they walk away and watch what happens. He said, he answered, uh, uh, God said, where are you, Adam? And he said, I hid from you in the garden. And I was afraid because I I was naked. So I hid. We have inherited as human beings the hiding nature of Adam. This is why Facebook is so popular. On social media, we promote our best side and we protect our worst side. I always love to ask this question. You just think about it. when is the last time you saw on Facebook, let's say a husband and a wife, their hairs all muffled up, they get angry, you know, looks on their face. Somebody's got ketchup on their face and they take a picture and like, we're having the worst argument of our lives. Just wanted you to know. And then they get 103 likes. I mean, come on. It's only kittens and our best cooked meatloaf, right? That we put out on. Because this is now a there. We're living in that there. Because we stepped away from the intimacy. Now, it's interesting. I, I put a little diagram for us together. If we can kind of go back a little bit. I skip this diagram. And I want to show you what's called dyads, okay? Learn a new word today. Triads means three people, dyads means one. A dyad is simply um, a unique relationship. So if I'm, there's a whole row of people, and let's say we're a group, let's say Michael and I, we, we have, okay, this is gonna be one relationship, okay? So when you have two people, how many dyads do you have? Now, for the other 213 people who are like, what is he talking about? (laughs) Yeah, I know. You were afraid to answer, right? I'm going to get it wrong. Like, it's a trick question. It's like, they're actually 26. (laughs) No, there's one. There's one one unique relationship. Okay, let's say we add a third person. You have three, right? Isn't that me and you, you and me, you and you, right? Mm -mm. Super simple. This is not calculus, all right? This is super math. Now, before you put up the next screen, If I put a fourth person in the mix, how many unique relationships are in four people? Who said six? Somebody said six and they're afraid to say, oh, look at this. Look, I love the hand raising like, like the half mass. The answer is correct. You would think there would be four, but watch this. That's a little diagram. Look at this. You see how there's six now. What's the point I'm trying to make? The point I'm trying to make is that in any church culture, okay, this is where we get to the heartbeat of who we are as 360. If you wonder what in the world does this mean? Three circles, 360 degrees, three circles of influence, right? I'm in a group. Some of these guys are in my group. I love my group. I love coming together and worship together. We call that big circle, group mid-size circle but in each circle listen carefully you, there's only an expectation of what this can do i'd love to talk to every single person in the room today where do you think the possibility of that is if i ask you hey how's your week don't really tell me how it was i don't have time for it you know what i'm saying <laughs> in other words this has a capacity that's it's, it's obvious When you get into a group of 10 to 12 people that I love, we have about 30 plus of them. I love our groups. But you have to recognize the capacity. And in a group setting, can we accomplish the purpose of the garden, of being intimate with everybody in your group? Let's say you have 10 to 12 people in a group. You can't. It's impossible. So here's the formula. And I did get my high schooler to help me with this. The formula of figuring out uh unique relationships is n times n minus one over two say it with me just kidding who cares so if you have four people it's four times four minus one over two or four times three over two or twelve over two and that equals six all right why are we doing the math let's take the next image all right do you know who that is John Lennon yes I'm just kidding totally kidding doesn't have the glasses sorry So when you look at Jesus, he had 13 people think, hey, what was the number of unique relationships? And if you go to the next slide, you think, oh, it was 12, right? It looked like that. Nope. If you apply the same formula on the next screen, it's in my whatever, it's 150. There were 78 unique possible relationships with Jesus' 12 disciples, including Jesus. Now, how many people can you actually have an intimate relationship with, I promise you, it's not 78. Here's how it actually looks. That's 78. So do we say, hey, forget groups? Oh, no. Groups bring diversity, community, and uh, we're praying for one another. The Groups are amazing. Hey, please do not hear. This is not anti-group. But we have to understand when you reach into a toolbox and you get a pair of pliers, most likely you're not going to hang a pitcher with it. It's a wonderful tool. It does a lot of things. You know, it can pull teeth, it can pull out, you know, it can do a lot of things. I don't use a pair of pliers that often, as you can see, but it, it does a lot of things. <laughs> but it doesn't hang pitchers, you see? So, When we planted this church, we said, let's have groups because they're wonderful. But if we are going to be imitators of God and the intimate love that he has and get to that intimate relationship, we must go add to the group and get down to this Paul, Timothy, Moses, Joshua david jonathan jesus john level so that people can look on and see intimacy in us and we bear out the image of god so that we can tell the world god's not only vast but he is intimate with you that's why we exist if you ever wondered thank you for the aid of those are my family members if you didn't know i plant them in every crowd we're always just hoping the applause would just be contagious apparently it's not I'm kidding no I'm not oh come on you've been great it's awesome I just I elicit applause and then I leave that's my uh, that's my game my you know, I did know a guy, it was a friend of mine who played piano, my background's piano, and he would play as an encore every concert the Star Spangled Banner and he would say, "I get a standing ovation every time." I'm like, "They're standing for the Star Spangled Banner for heaven's sake." <laughs> A.W. Tozer is the kind of guy that you read and have to get, sit on a, you know, the side of a hill for uh, a few hours in one paragraph that listened to this. It was so beautiful. I had to bring it to you. The yearning to know what cannot be known. We all yearn to know God. And we know that we can't know him completely. And we know that the world around us doesn't know God if they haven't exchanged their old life for Christ's new one. So every human being, the yearning to know what cannot be known, To comprehend the incomprehensible. To touch and taste the unapproachable. It arises from the image of God and the nature of man. Let me break it down in easy terms. God has intrinsically wired us to need intimacy. Because we've been created by an intimate God. Deep calls to deep, unto deep. And though polluted and landlocked by the there, the here was and intimate. And then Adam hid and stepped away. Deep calls unto deep. In other words, there's something deep in us that cries for something beyond Facebook. There's something in us that says there's something in that I want to know God and I want to know others in a closer, deeper way than just shallow, fill-in-the-blank, friendly Christianity. It is the passion that drives me around the world, quite frankly, because of the responsibility that God has given to us and the wiring that God has given to us. Deep calls on the deep, and though polluted and landlocked by the mighty disaster of Adam's fall, mm, the soul senses its origin and longs to return to its source. Wow. Let me give you some real statistics I read an article a few years ago that said in the last five years, 50% of Americans had not formed any close friendships, relationships. 2016, the United States Surgeon General said that the greatest cause to human, the greatest risk to human health was not cancer, nor was it heart disease. It was loneliness. There are countries around the world, Japan, Great Britain, India, that now have an official government position called Minister of Loneliness because they're recognizing that there was a pandemic. Are you ready? Before the pandemic. Some statistics show that 93% of American men have no best friend. And yet that's why we were created. We have a lot of friends, a lot of friendly churches, But now you can see the purpose. Are we picturing to the world who God is? That is our responsibility. So John, Jesus' best friend, says this phrase twice. No man has ever seen God. That's what we're talking about. You're bearing an image. People, just like Tozer said, we're yearning for the, to comprehend the incomprehensible. We're yearning to see some tangibility in a world that seems to be going berserk. We need an anchor. We, people need to see that God is real. Relationally, by the way, no one has ever seen God at any time, John said, except the only begotten who is in the bosom of the Father. Intimacy. Watch. He has explained him. I don't know. I get spiritual endorphins sometimes. Christ came not just to display the powerful miracles, but he came to explain the intimacy. Me and the Father were one. We're one. David and Jonathan, they became one in spirit. You read it, 1 Samuel 18. They become one in spirit. Now watch this. And John 10 I've referred to it, I and the father are uh, uh, one. Is it possible human beings are because we could say, well yes Jesus and the Father. but I refer to first Samuel 18, Jonathan became one spirit. he became close, he became transparent, he became vulnerable with David. John First John 4, John says it again, no man has ever seen God but if we love one another like we've been talking about, not just friendly, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. So now we come to the garden. Intimacy was created in the Garden of Eden for the purpose of showing the relational image of God. Adam stepped from here to there. And then Jesus is over here in the Garden of Gethsemane to go back again. From here to there. And Jesus said, I'm praying we'll go back. Watch this. John 17. My prayer is for not them alone. He's talking about the uh, the 11 disciples that were left and those who were following more than 11. Those who were left. My prayer is not for them alone. Just finished that. Now I'm going to pray also for who will believe in their message in the future. He's praying for us. Here's the prayer that they all may be one, not just unified, How do I know that? Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. That's what I'm praying for. That's what I'm praying for. And then he goes on. John 17, 21, may they also be in us. Why? So the world can see who I really am. That's it. That's it. Yesterday, I did a Zoom training to South Africa. I brought a picture. Um, these are not just um, 30 people sitting in a room. These are 30 trainers. These are going to train small circle in many places in Southern Africa. And so it was a wonderful time. I, the next picture, we'll show you the guy who's leading the charge in that yellow air. His name is Pumsile Stofile. And Pastor Stofile said something so beautiful. I want to leave it with us this morning. Because he was explaining to them, I'm like, wow, you know, when Jesus said greater things are going to do some of these guys, I'm like, dude, they they say it much better than I'm saying it. And he was just with passion. He said, you know, disciple making with tools is not a program. And he said, people come with programs all the time to Africa. Here's another program. Here's another way. He said, small circle is our tools. Well, I, I, I quote of it. Here uh, on the screen. We're not providing a program. We're providing tools that help people become who they were created to be. I'm like, wow. Touchdown. Let me ask you as we pray. Are you living out who God wanted you to become? I'm not asking, are you being a good person, obeying the golden rule, and doing all those things. That's great. Keep it up. What I'm saying is, In a spiritual community called the local church, are you willing to take a step forward and say, I want to be in a group, maybe a good first step, or I want to even go further and get in a one-to-one relationship? I don't even know what that is, but I got questions of what that means, because only until you get to that level of relationship can you really begin to display the the image of God. I want to say something kindly, and I, I really mean that. I'm saying it now as a shepherd. Sometimes if I say something, I step on your toes. It's like a parent telling a, a child. It's not to be mean, but let me just say it kindly, but with my shepherd's hat on, and then I'll pray, and while you're praying, I'll run out so you don't get angry. <laughs> I do not believe that we can... Do- That we can fulfill our responsibility as image bearers of God. And only be Christ followers and church services. And I love you. We, We can only exercise the one another's at a deep level. I'm rarely offended by anybody in our group when you get to that one-to-one level, you can be offended. (coughs) And that's when you bear with one another. That's when you forgive one another. Listen. And then the world will get it. They don't get it for just a bunch of people being friendly. I watched the NCAA last night. There's a lot of friendly people. Yeah. There are a lot of friendly people. I'm going to ignore that comment about the team that I was rooting against, but anyway. (laughs) (laughs) It people having fun sometimes they're having more fun we are they're done with friendly they need to see a relationship thank you for joining us and special thanks for those of you who give generously to make this ministry possible if you enjoyed the podcast you can also subscribe or share it with your friends for more information about 360 church visit us at the360church.com.